I'd like to welcome everyone tonight. If you're a guest, we welcome you. You are joining us online somewhere tonight. We welcome you as a part of this service. And uh, my name is David Wright, and uh, hopefully I'm not forgotten, which I... <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I do want to... Uh, I do want to take a moment and just say how much I appreciate, first and foremost, all of your prayers. I know um, many, many prayers have been taking place the last couple of weeks. And then to all of you that have texted and emailed and sent cards, um, as well as all of them that have gone to my wife, and she has kept me very much up to date on all of that, there's there's really just no way to um, put into words what that means. Um, I, I, I guess if I could say it this way, I, I have never doubted that I was loved, but there is something about a situation like this and the outpouring of love that uh, it does affirm that. And I just I want to, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, I am uh, I am very thankfully been pain free basically for the last week. I. I don't really know how much details have been given about me, um, but uh, I, there were several times I reached the point I, I almost literally couldn't stand, and uh, fortunately for over a week now, I've, I've been, uh, again, basically pain-free. I uh, perhaps, and I don't know what you think, I seem to feel it in my voice, especially I have yet to really gain any energy back, so... Um, we may not get beyond this tonight. Um, I will tell you that in advance. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm thankful for what uh, God is doing. So I'm actually uh, I'm gonna I want to read a couple verses to start. But uh, I'm uh, uh, I, it's. I don't think I've ever, um, you know, can I just kind of talk to you tonight? Let me just, can I just, uh, that's kind of what I'm going to do anyway, but I just want you to know that's kind of what I'm going to do. Is it all right if I talk to you about me a little bit some? Is that all right? I don't want to bore you with me. I don't want (laughs) to, I'm not here to give you all my woes and uh, all of that. I, I, I don't know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't ever recall feeling any more vulnerable in my entire life than I have the last three weeks in a lot of different ways. And uh, in light of that, in all honesty, I would love to come here tonight and just get into my, my comfort zone, throw up some slides for notes and just, but um, can you stand for another moment or two? I, some of y'all, some of y'all, this won't mean anything to you. I really, you know, the thought crossed my mind of just getting a stool and sitting here and talking tonight. But I was afraid some people might take pictures and that'd be blackmail against me. So I'm, I may, I may end up just leaning on the pulpit, but I'll avoid this uh, sitting on a stool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know what? Go ahead, just sit down. <laughs> Um, 
in, 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 uh, in, back in January, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I've heard great reports, I've caught bits and pieces of services that I've been out, but uh, I've heard about great flow, great move, and all that, and so all of that's kind of intimidating, uh, to be very honest with you, um, but the Lord knows. Um, but but I, I, back in January, um, uh, I, I, there's kind of a com- combination of a couple things that were taking place, some things in me personally. And then I, I received a text about the middle of January from a man of God that sent a text, essentially a, a prophetic text, if you will, about what... God was going to do this year, going to do here, great things. And then, and then following, up, following up that text, um, I think within just a few moments, if I'm not mistaken, this, this, was, this text was sent as well. And so, going back to January, I was feeling extremely strong direction that this was... If you remember the last couple of times I taught, I taught about contending for the faith. But this is what I felt like God was giving me as my piece of direction for ministry, both Thursdays and weekends, whatever, whenever, and obviously not knowing what the last few weeks would hold. And the text simply said this, Please take this time as a moment of mending your nets for a great catch awaits. Now that wasn't, that, I don't think that, obviously there's application for me, but I took that for us. And let, let me just, uh, let me just, let me read a couple of verses, and some of you may not really know the context of that statement, so this will give you a little bit of context of that statement. Mark chapter 1, verse number 16. The scripture says this, and you can just remain seated. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. I, you've heard this preach, taught before, used by different people, and I know there's, there's different contexts of the way this applies. And in, I've heard it preached, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think, one point in years past, Brother Suber may have used this passage here. And the nets in the context of us as the nets and the ingathering of fish and harvest, whatever. Um, and, and I'm sure there's application there, but I, 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 want you, I want you to get it in the context of they recognize you don't just keep fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing. There are some times at which you got to stop, and you got to pause, and you got to do some stuff so that when you fish again, you are prepared for a great catch. 
Because if you're fishing with broken nets, then you're not going to be as effective if you don't have mended nets. If you've got excessive holes and tears in your nets, then stuff you are go- you should be catching is going to slip through. The word the word mending there means this, according to Strong's. It means to complete thoroughly i.e. to repair, literally or figuratively, to adjust. And then according to Thayer's, it means this, to render, i.e. fit, sound, or complete. To render, i.e. fit, sound, or complete. Then it means this, to mend what has been broken or rent. It is to repair. It's to fit out. It's to equip, it's to put in order, it's to arrange. Ethically, it's to strengthen, to perfect, to complete, to make one what he ought to be. So with that, with that definition in mind, back to the, the text, take this time as a moment, or maybe, let me put it this way, if I could paraphrase it, as a season of mending nets for a great catch. I said to you several, a month or two ago on a Sunday night, that I felt like we were in revival. Again, the word revive, just the English dictionary, no religious implication here. The word revive means to return to consciousness or life. It is to become active or flourishing again. It means to restore to consciousness or life. It's to restore from a depressed inactive or unused state to bring back. It's to renew in the mind or memory. I, I think in a context, that's, that's also mending. Reviving and mending in, in the context of what I'm saying here are kind of similar things. It's, it's, it's a renewing, it's a restoring. I, uh, I'm sure you are all anticipating uh, messages and whatever from my experience the last couple of weeks since that's been my pattern for 20 plus years of preaching. So let me get right to that and not disappoint you. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I don't want to, I, I don't, anybody ever see uh, the disorderly orderly? Jerry Lewis, the disorderly orderly. That's got to be one of the funniest movies of all time. Was it Mrs. F- what was her name? Not Fuzzy B, what was her name? The, the one lady that always had the issues that kind of set, set him off. But I, I don't want to be one of those people that, you know, bore you with my, my stuff. Because, uh, anyway. <laughs> but um, I ended up, it's kind of crazy to end up within a matter of one week, my first overnight stay in the hospital and my first ambulance ride to the hospital all in in one week. That was kind of fun. Um, and uh, skipping most of the details of whatever, um, I guess it was a week ago, Monday, started having some pretty severe uh, pain in my chest and um, really no other kind of symptoms of anything else other than just a extremely severe pain right in the center of my chest. And so um, Angie began to uh, uh, determine what needed to be done, and uh, finally she 
She said, all right, we're either taking you to the hospital or we're calling the paramedics. Which one? I'm like, you decide. Just, you just tell me what to do and I will obey. So they, uh, they came and decided that I needed to go. And I was, uh, I'd been there for several hours. They ran all the heart tests and everything, came back to say I wasn't having a heart attack. And so I tried to tell them other stuff that had been going on, but they seemed just making sure I wasn't having a heart attack. And then they were willing to let me go, and I was happy to go. I was ready to go. And the, uh, Doctor came in, said, we're going to send you home. You, we're going to release you. Everything's good, whatever. And so the nurse came back in uh, a little while later. My parents had been there, and they decided they're sending you home. and Everything's good. We'll go ahead and go. Just call us if you need us. And probably another hour after they left, the nurse finally comes back in, and she um, says, I need to take your vitals and everything to check you out. And she takes the uh, thermometer out, takes my temperature, and I've spiked the fever. And so um, I now realize I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And so she then calls the doctor. He comes back in, and now all of a sudden he's kind of paying attention to me uh, a little more than he was before. And uh, they ordered a CAT scan, went in and had a CAT scan, and uh, found a couple things on the CAT scan. And so... I go from about to leave the hospital to now being told that I need to go get a uh, stress test and ASAP I need to go get a biopsy of some lymph nodes in my chest. So uh, that was quite a, quite a turn of events. Um, so finally they let me go. Tuesday, go to the doctor and uh, go through the whole routine with him. and That's when he comes up with a diagnosis. And he said this almost immediately. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Angie asked him, what about, what about the stress test? What about the uh, biopsy? And he was like, well, first of all, you can't even hardly walk, so a stress test isn't going to be accurate. There's really no point in doing that. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And then the second thing we said, you don't need to go do a biopsy. And, and, and this, this was one of those moments. He said, because this is the problem, and if we deal with the problem, these other things will take care of themselves. If we deal with the problem, we don't have to do all this other stuff. It'll be fine. So I went from scheduling a stress test and a biopsy to canceling a stress test and a biopsy because if I could get the root dealt with, I feel like, and I'm just, I'm just talking, I hope I'm not boring you, I'm just talking. I feel like a lot of times that's kind of how we have a tendency as established Christians to live for God. We run over here. This is, this is the need, this is the problem, and then we get there, and then all of a sudden now, I'm talking about more about us personally. And we're chasing one thing after the other, rather than pausing long enough to find out what's really going on. 
what's the real issue I'm dealing with? Because if I can get the real issue dealt with, a lot of other things are going to fall into place. And, and I feel, I, I, I want to, by the way, my, if you see a little bit of chubbiness in my cheeks, I have not gained weight at this point. It is my retention of fluid from my medicine. So just to be clear with that. I cannot see my cheekbones, and I do not like that. But I checked the scale, and it hasn't changed. So just wanted to make you aware of that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Where was I? (laughs) Yeah, where was I, actually? I got it. I, I guess I'm not sure. I want. I, I, I guess I'm. I'm. I'm, uh, I'm. I'm getting my bearings back. So you have to bear with me while I get my bearings. I guess I really ought to say it probably as strongly as I feel it. I, I'm. 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 It's part of what I'm trying to do. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the next couple of weeks hold still for me. As I said, I'm. I'm just trying to figure this all out. But. I feel, I feel, a, I, feel a, a, I guess I'll say it this way, I feel a mandate over the next couple of maybe months, if I could put it that way, with regards to whatever God has me doing, preaching, whatever, in the context of what I have and will continue here the next little bit to communicate to you tonight. There are there are times. No, there's a bunch of you here tonight that have have played, and many of you that still play sports. There are times that you have to decide when you have an injury: Do I press through and risk further damage, or do I need to stop? And take a break for long-term health. I don't know if somebody can help me. I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, just in the last last year, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, there was a New York Mets pl- pitcher, if I'm not mistaken, that if I remember correctly, actually made the decision to skip playoffs because of. Of, of issues he was having, I think, with an arm, and for long-term benefit, decided not to risk present long-term damage. In, in some ways, I think Peyton Manning is an example of what I'm saying last year as he chose to take a significant amount of time off with an uncertainty of whether or not he would actually make it back to play or not. In addition to having a replacement who seemed to be doing much better than he was, only, as many of you know, to make it back and end up winning a Super Bowl and now retiring as a Super Bowl champ. 
there are some times, there are sometimes the circumstances dictate you don't have a choice. You got to suck it up and push through. There are guys that have probably, not probably, there are guys that have ended up with more severe long-term injuries, especially in a professional context, because they had that moment that may not ever come again. They had that Super Bowl appearance that you may not ever get that chance again. And so you may be injured, and playing may worsen the injury. But for the, for the sake, uh, for the possibility that you may never get there again, you're willing to do that. I think, I, think, uh, I think war is one of those things. There's been a lot of times people have had to ignore personal wounds and injuries and press through for the sake of the battle and the circumstances. But there's also some times where you've got to look at some things and say, I can't just buckle down and push my way through this and not stop and mend. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not trying, I'm not fishing, honestly, I'm not. I don't know if I'm making sense here tonight or not. I, I, don't, I, 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 I don't know if the... I don't know if it's just trying to get back into whatever or not, but, but uh, uh, please hear me, please. If, if, and and I, this may be just maybe the devil over here, but you've you got to hear me tonight. What I'm communicating to you tonight is not the result of the last three weeks of my life. I, 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 can, I, I already read you the text, and I can, if you really need it, I can tell you a few other things back to January before all of my stuff the last couple of weeks where this is what God was already dealing with me about. No doubt in my mind, my circumstances the last three weeks, God has that as a part of what He's... But, but tonight, please, please, tonight is not a result of my last three weeks. I, uh, I, I don't... You know, we all have our... <laughs> We all have our whatevers. I don't know if this will help some of you or hurt some of you. That first night I went to the hospital, ER, I, I basically said this, and I didn't even say it, I thought it. So if that doesn't count as prayer to you, my apologies. But I just, I, I thought this thought, and I'm already a week plus into whatever was going on, I, I just thought this, God... If there's something you want to say to me in all of this, if there's something you're trying to say to me, I'm listening. Otherwise, I ain't bugging you. I don't, I don't quite understand the concept that i got to wrestle something out of God. Am I all right? I really am. I, I am fishing. All right, okay, I'm fishing. Am I all right? This is all right. <laughs> Just tell me it is, even if it's not, all right? I forgive them for lying, God. <laughs> if there's something you got to say, God, I'm listening, say it. But I mean, this, I, I, don't, I don't know why you and I got to have some big tussle. If you're trying to talk, talk. 
And if you're not just going to talk, I'm not going to sit here and lay in this bed or sit in this chair and stress out about what you're trying to say. If you got something to say, say it. And if you don't have anything to say, then we're pro- we must be okay. And, 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 and really, in a lot of ways, and I don't have time, to, but in a lot of ways, that ties into other stuff that I'm referring to. But I, I, I believe that. I, I don't last I heard, I was told a week or two ago that in this season we've been in, even without great emphasis and effort, we've had 80 people receive the Holy Ghost. That, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. But let me, so let me, let me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read it. You can read it later if you want to. I'm, I'm just going to kind of give you the high points of it. But, but Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6 is, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, and, and this ties into what I was just, uh, there, there is some rhyme and reason. This ties into what I was just saying about sometimes you got to depress, but then there's other times you got to stop. And if I could say it to you this way, here, here's where I feel like, again, what I feel compelled by the Holy Ghost, the burden of ministry for the next couple of weeks. Not saying we stop what we're doing, not saying we... But, but I believe we are in a season where God is desiring to do some mending. And I'm just going to tell you, I mean that first and foremost in a personal context. Not talking about amending in the unity of the body and all. And that may be a need, that's, but that's not. I'm talking about in you and in me. I realize a bunch of you don't need that. You're all good. You're probably the one that's playing through the pain. So, so Mark, Mark 6. Again, I'm not going to read. If you want to read the actual verses later, you can do that. But Mark 6. In, in verses 1 through 6 of Mark 6, this is, this is Jesus. This is Mark's account of Jesus' return to Nazareth. This is, this is where it's said, is this not the carpenter's son? This is where Jesus says a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country. So, so that's, that's the first six verses of Mark 6. Verses 7 through 13 of Mark 6 is where, again, Mark's account, Jesus sends the disciples forth. Sends them out two by two. It's where he tells them, take no script, no bread, no money. It's also where he says, whoever doesn't hear you, shake the dust from a feet as a testimony against them. And he instructs them, go heal the sick, cast out devils. So we got Jesus coming to Nazareth and Nazareth and, and trying to minister there, but it's it's he's 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 at home and prophets not without honor except in his own country and and, and we know how that goes. But now we, we've got Jesus 
sending out the disciples. Sending them out two by two. Sending them out to cast out devils and heal the... He didn't just send them out to go do door knocking. He didn't just go send them out to put door hangers on doors and pass out tracts. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to cast out devils. I want you to heal the sick. I want stuff to happen. They go out and they do that. And that happens. All that's taking place. And then, in verse 14 through 28 is where the whole thing of of John the Baptist is taking place where he loses his head. That's where uh, Herodias' daughter comes and dances before Herod and then Herod offers her whatever she wants. She goes to her mom and, and, and he says, I want the head, she says, I want the head of John the Baptist. And so in, in verses 14 through 28, that is, that is what, that is, so, so, so the way I understand this, simultaneously we've got, in the same passage and in the, in the same time frame, we've got Jesus returning to Nazareth, and then we've got Jesus sending out the disciples two by two and, 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 and cast out devils, heal the sick. And then while all of that's going on, you've got this, this situation taking place with John. And then in verse 32 through 44, or excuse me, verse 29 and 30, This is where the disciples who have been out healing the sick, casting out devils, they hear about what has happened with John. So they're out doing what Jesus said, and John, while they're out doing that, is being executed. And then you go to verse 29, or excuse me, that was 20, 29 and 30, they take his body, they bury him. And then they come back. So they deal with, I want you to, I want you to notice this. They come to, to report to Jesus, well, or excuse me, they, they bury John, they take John and bury him, put him in a tomb. Then they come back to Jesus to report about all that's been going on. You want to talk about some serious extremes. We buried John, who was just executed, but we've also been casting out devils and healing the sick and doing what you told us to do. 32 to 44 is where Jesus... And the disciples have the encounter with 5,000 plus people. And with five loaves and two fishes, they feed a multitude. 45 to 52, Jesus now sends them on ahead into into the sea. And that's where they encounter a storm. He comes walking on the water, shows up. You know the story. And then, the last part of the chapter, 53 to 56, they entered the land of Gennesaret. The Bible says they went into villages, towns, cities, and everywhere they went, people were bringing the sick and the lame. The Bible says that everyone He touched was made whole. Everyone. 
one. It wasn't just a couple folks got healed. Everybody they brought that Jesus touched was made whole. That, that's, that's quite a variety of things, and that's some pretty awesome things that took place in that chapter. You got disciples two by two casting devils out and great things happening, and you've got all this excitement of that, but then you've also got this great tragedy, this loss of John who loses his head and no doubt had major impact on them. And then the next thing you know, they're in this crowd of people, 5,000 plus people, and they're feeding them with five loaves, two fishes. And I don't know if you noticed, if you paid close enough attention there or not, but I skipped a verse. I told you what was in 29 and 30, but then we went to 32 to 44. And I want to read to you 31. So I remind you, the first part, they've gone to Nazareth. Jesus has sent him out two by two. And then, Herod executes John. They return to Jesus, take care of John's body, and now they're reporting to Jesus. But 31 says this. He said unto them, that's Jesus, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but a desert place to rest doesn't sound very enticing. So let me read you the New Living Translation, because it really says it a little different. Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and His apostles didn't even have time to eat. The word desert actually in the, in the Greek there means this. It's an adjective. It means a solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited, used of places. Used of places. I think the primary context is those first two words, or the first word especially, solitary. He wasn't, I don't think what he was saying was, let's go out in the desert and vacation. <laughs> what he was saying was, we've just gone through all of this. We need to pause for a moment before we launch in to the next. We can't just go from the highs of casting out devils and healing the sick and then this major tragedy of losing John. We're not just going to blow through this and just keep going, guys. I'm I'm talking, since I'm not teaching or preaching, at least in my opinion. I'm talking to people tonight that have become really good at just blowing through. Oh, my word. I told you, I was, I, nothing like feeling vulnerable already and then coming and jumping into this. Because <laughs> here's, I, let me just put it to you this way. For me to do what I feel like God wants me to do the next several weeks, whatever, whenever, whatever, is going to require a bunch of you to take down some walls. 
And I'm just going to tell you, I'm talking to a bunch of people tonight that need to take some walls down. I'm preaching to some, excuse me, I'm talking to some people tonight that you've been sent out, you've done great going out two by two, and you've also encountered some great tragedy, but you're ready to move on. Let's go feed 5,000, and when we get done with that, let's get in the boat, go to the other side, and when we get to the other side, we're going to end up seeing a bunch of people get the Holy Ghost. We just get, get healed sick, healed dead, raised. We're just going to, we're going to keep going. But Jesus said, Jesus said, Fellas, we need to stop. We, I, oh. <laughs> Angie's been in the bed two days with a migraine, so now I get to be the, the nurse. <laughs> she, she said this afternoon, I can't believe I've been stuck in this bed two days, and I just kind of looked at her. She said, oh. Hi. Oh, Lord. Leave me alone, Jesus. <laughs> we, we know. We know how to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We know how to do it. What we struggle to do is realize there's some some seasons. There's some moments at which God wants me to step aside. A solitary place to rest. And and I said it already. I said it already. You probably got questions I don't have answers for. I'm not, I'm not, I am not saying tonight neither the things I already feel, and there's more I expect to come. Some few other things I feel like God has already put into my spirit to communicate. I'm I'm not, we we, we can't stop ministry. There's a lost and dying world that's going to hell every second of every day. We can't ignore that. You... (laughs) People, people don't stop going to hell, folks. And the mission of the church to reach those going to hell doesn't change. But at the same time, there comes a point in time that you and I, if we don't do what we need to do in mending some things, we lose the potential effectiveness we can have. And we can't meet the need that's there. I, I, I want you to... Three, he had three years. I'm assuming, maybe you got the theological explanation of this. I'm assuming Jesus was aware. He was God. I know he was God and man. I understand that. And and, and maybe, maybe he didn't, but I guess I would, I would, I would, I would fall on the side that, Brother Mott, I think Jesus probably had an awareness that he had three years. Approximately three years. I don't know, Brother Simpson, maybe, maybe like you and I, maybe God hid from His humanity. Some of you sitting here tonight, if you'd have known you'd be where you are after all this time and no further along, you would have never, you'd have never signed up for it. 
Or some of you, how many of you have, have had some of those seasons of ministry that you finally got there and you had arrived and like all of a sudden, I mean, it's like here today and gone tomorrow. You're like, whoa, I thought this was like long term. I finally made it. You and I don't know. We don't understand timing. We don't know how long. We don't understand all that. God reveals it gradually to us. So I, I don't know. I'm about to talk myself out of what I just said. Maybe Jesus didn't know. I guess I am still going to lean on the side that I, I just think he probably had an idea. He's not around for 50, 60 years. I think he, I think he had some understanding. I'm, I'm not, I'm not retiring from here. I got three years to get this thing going. Three years. Listen, folks. If, if Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, had only three years, and yet He said to those disciples, Fellas, we need to stop. You, you really would have expected the opposite. Sorry guys, we don't have time. You're going to have to eat on the run. We're going through the drive through today. You're going to eat in the car. We got to get the, we got to get the Gennesaret and then we got to get the, we, we're going to Nazareth and we got this and we got this agenda. We got this schedule. We, we, we got to go. We got to go. And yet Jesus says, fellas, we need to stop and rest. Here's the word rest. The word rest means to repose. Literally or figuratively, it's to be exempt, to remain. By implication, it is to refresh. It is to cause or permit. Listen, permit. Somebody say permit. It is to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength to give rest to refresh. I, I know that's long and wordy, but I, I wish I did have a slide for you to read. It is to cause or permit one. Permit. Permit. Some of you understand there are times that God permits you to rest. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm just going to stay here and talk to you because you, 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 you're helping me out. <laughs> to cause or to mit, permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength to give rest to refresh. It is to give oneself rest. It is to take rest. It is to refresh the soul of anyone. He said... Come apart into a desert. Rest a little while. You to rest a little while. I'm on a. I'm on a. Oh man, I'm. I'm on a. I'm. I'm telling you in advance. You may not want to come when I'm here. I don't know. There's some things I feel compelled by the Holy Ghost to minister over the next, and some of it will be Sunday nights, and I apologize, we'll be split. But 
I'm, I'm just I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna, man, I, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Get in my comfort zone and do my deal. <laughs> we, some of you, I, some of you actually gonna, I'm probably gonna get a good response from you. You're gonna agree with me. Some of you ain't gonna want to hear this at all. We do a really poor job at grieving. Grieving. G R I E V I N G, I think. I can't see the red line to know if I'm right. Wish I was still home, sitting in my chair, not here. So, well, and, and I know here, well, what's, what's, the, what's, what's the number one thing you think of when I say that? We do a poor job of grieving. What do you think of? Yeah. And we do. We do. We do that too. And that's, that's part of it. But I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of other things you grieve or need to grieve besides death. I, I, I'm sorry, I... Try to tell you in advance, and I, I just I have this knack for apologizing, so I'm, I'm apologizing. But I, I was actually is Andrew here tonight? Is he home? I happened to be in the hospital the same time as Andrew was in the hospital, and I couldn't sleep in that hospital. I couldn't. I just I usually can sleep anywhere, anytime, any place. I could. I was so ready to get home, and but you know what? Every time I got a little frustrated and antsy about that. I just thought about Andrew. Like, you know what? I, I ain't got really no problems compared to what he's having to deal with and go through. And then I, I, I mean, the second day I was there, thought I was going to end up staying another night, and then they suddenly rushed me out of there, which was fine with me. I think I was hitting the 48-hour mark for observation from the ER. So I went from staying another night to, like, they had me out of that room in like five minutes. No complaints from me. Send me home. I'm walking around here. I'm walking around with my little IV thing. Can y'all, can y'all picture that? I did get to keep my sweatpants and t-shirt on. Thank you, Jesus. I did not have to wear a hospital gown. Hallelujah. Can y'all, can y'all picture me walking around the perimeter of the hospital? with my ivy, in my sweatpants and t-shirt. And I got to tell I just glanced every now and then in a room or two, and I thought, you know what? I'm pretty sure this isn't life-threatening at this point. I'm going to get through this. This ain't so bad. And, and I think we need to do that, because if we don't, we, we just get this huge pity party, and we get so overwhelmed, and... And then a lot of time, life's not that bad. But I'm sorry, there's a flip side to that. And the flip side is this. We end up minimizing a lot of things that really have a great impact on us. But because we know there are others that have it worse and have been through worse, we don't face the reality of the impact of what's going on in our lives. And so a God-designed process never happens in our lives because there's somebody else that's had its worth, that's going through worse, and so I'm just going to buckle down and push through, and I'm not going to pause long enough to do what God has designed that I need to do. 
I know you love me. I know you always love me. We go through ministry transitions and changes that we trust and believe are God's will, whether it's what we know exactly for ourselves or we trust leadership. <laughs> and I preach and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not preaching and I'm not teaching, I'm just talking. I'm talking to a bunch of people tonight that at some point in life have already been and others that will go through, in fact, most of us probably will continue at times to go through ministry transitions. And I'm just going to, I don't care what it is you're moving on to and how much the will of God it is. There is a process of loss that takes place that we have a tendency to ignore and overlook. And we're just going to keep going and move on to the next thing. And so we don't stop long enough to let God do some things that God has designed we need to do. That's the will of God. I believe it as much tonight as I ever have. And every other promise God's given us. But if we're ever going to get all the way corporately, and then again, I'm, I'm really more about what I feel is individually. If you and I are going to get there and be a part of it, we got there's some things we can't avoid, we can't ignore, we can't just constantly pass by. Jesus, we don't have time to stop. Come on, I mean, come on, Jesus, we got... Can I... Oh, my word, I'm, I'm not going to make up for all my lost time tonight, I promise you. I... I think I'm almost done, but can I just be, can I be transparent? I'm going to anyway, but. Oh, my word. I feel like some, not older than anybody here person, so you don't get mad, but like some, just some really old kind of senile person just mumbling around here. (laughs) Oh, my God. How are you, Nandy? How are you, Sister Spriggs? Good to see you. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> I was going somewhere, and now I don't know. Yeah, I'm not old and see now. I was, wasn't I? I was, thank you. I was. I shared, I expressed this to my wife. Yesterday, while I have not tried to overthink anything the last couple of weeks, I do want to learn. And I don't want to miss anything God may be trying. Here's something, I hope this helps somebody. Here's something I'm taking out of the last three weeks. It's kind of a weird feeling when you're used to whether you're preaching or not, at least being here and being involved in everything, and then now you're just sitting at home in your chair all by yourself while everybody's at church. That's, it's not fun. <laughs> but I've, I've, in fact, I hate to, I'm, I really am. Whew. Anybody ever have to work on just making peace that God's timing is perfect and that somehow you haven't, it's not your fault. What I mean by that is, 
what he's doing, it's his timing to do. And that it's not that you somehow, you know, messed up or wouldn't learn prior. It's just this, this is, so there's some, there's a few things I got to tell you, I'm really battling with that over because in, 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 in the context of some of this, I, I have spent years, literally years, in almost constant torment. And in this context, I'll be here at church trying to do ministry stuff with the feeling of need that I need to be giving some time to my family. So I'm sitting trying to do ministry, but I'm not content doing ministry because I feel this responsibility for my family. And then I do the flip side. I set aside time for my family, and I'm trying to spend time with my family, but Sister Gross, all I can think about is all of the ministry stuff that I ought to be doing, that I'm getting paid to do, and that's my job to do, and my responsibility to do, and my calling to do. And, and so it doesn't matter which one of those I'm in, and I may be doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm constantly tormented because I'm not doing the other. I guess when you just can't do but one thing, you kind of learn, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But what I want to somehow learn to do, Brother Mott, as I fully recover back to normalcy, is to learn how to maintain the ability to figure out, all right, right now, I'm supposed to be going and pushing and driving, and that's what I'm going to do. But when I realize and I recognize it's time to do nothing, or it's time to focus on my wife or my kids or myself, I'm going to go aside and I'm going to rest. We've got this great ability, folks, to just push and press and push and press and push and press. And we're going to buckle down and we're going to make it happen. We're going to do it. And bless God, nobody's going to know what's going on. My wife, I don't remember if she said it exactly this way, but throughout the last couple of weeks, she's like, you, you got, you got to talk to me. You got, you got to. I, I, I've been told I, I take after my mom. I, I have a fairly high tolerance for pain. I, I can deal with most whatever. She's like, you got to talk. I got to know what's going on. You got to communicate. Okay, watch the facial signals and I will communicate. <laughs> the degree of the furrowing of the brow will let you know what's going on. We know, we know how to, we know how to fake it. Press and push. But I'm, I'm telling you tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quit, I'm trying to quit. I feel, I feel strongly in my spirit in the midst of everything we're doing and going to keep doing and reaching and going. And you say, Brother Wright, how do we do that? That's a great question. It's a really great question. I, again, we, we, we can't just, we don't just stop, shut down, do nothing. We, but somehow we got to learn to mend. We've got to learn to embrace God's timing in our own lives. And you know what? There's some of you tonight, you don't need this. This has no application. I mean that sincerely. It's, 
Yeah, you're great, life's well, you're doing good, you've got it together, you're, you're, you, you're feeding 5,000, man, you've already rested, you're, you're on, it's good. But I also got a feeling there's some folks here tonight, if you'd be honest, and I'm not saying you're not, but you'd acknowledge that you keep skipping verse 31. You're just going to go from horrible news that Herod lost his, or that John the Baptist lost his head. You're just going to kind of go, let's, let's go throw him in the tomb, but bless God, we got to go tell Jesus all that's been going on. And as soon as we do that, we're off to, there's, there's a bunch of people that need to eat. We got 5,000 folks that got, you know, we're going to have some miracles, signs, and wonders. And then, and, 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 and you just, you, 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 you do real good in Mark 6. You just keep, you do like I did the first time through, you just, you skip it. I think some of that is because of misapplied pressure or understanding of some things that we feel like that's what we're supposed to do and that's what we have to do, but... Mark 6.31 is not the only time that Jesus stopped. It's not the only time He took His disciples aside. There were some other times where He said, you know what, we've got to pause, fellas. We, we need some mending. We need some refreshing. We, we, I've I got an idea of what's coming. I've got an idea of what lies ahead. And, 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 and you know what, you, you don't just need to be rested up for tragedy, folks. I'm not talking about just being prepared and strong for tragedy. You, 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 you got, if you're going to play in the championship game, if you're going to be in the Super Bowl game and do your job and contribute, you got to be rested and prepared and ready. I'm assuming there's a lot of reasons for it. I think I have an idea of some. I, I don't know if there's exactly one specific the reason. And I know it hasn't always been this way, but now there's, there's two weeks. Two weeks in between the final NFL playoff game, Brother Brown, and the Super Bowl. And I know now they've got, they've got uh, the Pro Bowl is that weekend in between. I understand that. But, and, and so I, I, don't know, I don't know how much of this is a factor, but I'm, I'm at least assuming, maybe somebody can confirm or deny but I'm assuming somewhere in that mix of that two-week break is we give guys that are going to play in the biggest game of their life a little bit of extra time to recuperate. Because they've been going for 16, 18, whatever weeks. And then more than likely, especially if you're a wild card team and end up lucky enough to get to the Super Bowl, you've now been going for an additional weeks while other teams have had a chance to rest and take a break. And so, and I understand that that from, you know, from the perspective of an athlete, that two weeks can seem like forever. But from the standpoint of health and being ready to play in that game, that's a really, really great thing. That there are two weeks of time in which you have a chance to regain some strength and energy. I, I, I challenge some of you, if you would, go back. And I know you, most of you probably already know it, but go, 
Go home tonight and reread Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a season, there is a time. There is a time. There is a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's, there's, there is a balance of time. And I think sometimes we try really hard to just hop from the positive time to the next positive time. When, when, the, when the wise man said, there is a balance that God has created and built in. And you can't ignore it. You can't escape it. And if you try to, you're going to do some damage. There's, there's some cycles and some seasons that God has established and created. And you can't just jump from one to the next. We, 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 can't, we don't just skip from, from one season and skip over. Let's, let's just jump from fall because it's so beautiful. Let's just jump into spring. We need what happens in winter. To prepare us for what's going to happen in spring and then leads us to summer and leads us to the next fall, so on and so forth. I'm sorry, you may disagree. If you disagree, if you can give me Bible, I'll take it. Otherwise, we will disagree. There are seasons of deadness in your life that God orchestrates. If God orchestrated for us in nature to go through four seasons... He did not orchestrate for you to live in a constant season of harvest in your life. Some of you need to take the pressure off of yourselves that you are supposed to be living 12 months out of the year with a life that is just overwhelming and bursting with fruitfulness all the time. Because God created an earth that He understood. There's some times that you ought to expect a harvest. And you ought to be able to go out to the field and get the tractor out and get the, get the instruments out and you should be able to reap a harvest. But then there's going to be some times you walk out to that field and you should see nothing but brown. And there's nothing wrong with seeing the brown in the wintertime if it's wintertime. If it's the right season, if what's supposed to be going on in that season is going on, you're okay. If you're in wintertime, you don't need to go run up to Safeway and buy a bunch of cherries off the shelf and go hang them on the tree in your life. But if you're in springtime and something new and fresh ought to be happening and there's no blossoms and no new buds coming out on the branches of your life, then there is something wrong. But God knows the seasons. And you know what? One of the things, I don't know if we need an altar call. We're probably not. I'm just probably going to quit and stop. But Sister Trish, come play. At least remind me how we do this. (laughs) Play melodiously in the words of our good brother Shelton. I, I, I believe, I believe, I believe, I, I believe. I, I'm, this is not Antioch, this is not official doctrine for I'm just telling you what my own personal philosophy and beliefs are. One of the beauties about the body is we are not as individuals all in the same season. In fact, I believe we can be in a time of harvest as a body and yet there are individuals 
that are in the dead middle of winter. I think God does that for one one of the reasons I think God does that is it provides balance, but but not only not just to provide balance, but you know what? If I come in and I'm in a dead season, but you're in a season of life, I am supposed to draw hope from you. Unfortunately, I think most of the time what we end up doing is rather than taking hope from what God's doing in you, I walk away with condemnation. Life's great. Life's God's blessing, Sister Sherry. God, everything's going great for her. What's wrong with me? Rather than, hey, she's in the season God has her to be in. And I'm in the season God's got me in. And if I can just hang on in my season, I'm going to get to her season. Only, only problem is for her. Her season ain't going to last forever either. And then she's going to end up in my season. But when the roles reverse, I'm not up here now looking down all pious at what's wrong with her. We balance. One of the great things about a team, professional sports, one of the great things about a team is there are some days, I, I, I'm a, a Timothy is a, many of you know, Timothy is a Golden State Warriors fan, Seth Curry fan, and I will say on his behalf, he was that years ago. He's not just a bandwagon fan, he was already a fan. So, Steph, I, I, Steph Curry is the guy, he's a freak. He's just a freak. He's absolutely a freak. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Absolute. Amazing. But I actually caught a couple minutes somewhere the other day. I think it was on my iPad. I actually caught a couple minutes of the Lakers-Warriors game. That dude was horrible. He was bad. And they lost. But oftentimes when you got a championship team, when you got a good team, you're going to have some guys that have a bad day. Curry's not just going to throw everything up he throws up that always goes in at the bottom of the net like he always... There's going to be some days he can't make a bucket. But the good thing is there's a lot of days that that happens, but somebody else just... Sometimes it's a guy that... he It's going to be the day of his life. There's never going to be another one like it. He's just going to happen to have that day. But he's going to have that day to be what the team needs that day to get them over the hump. Really, if I'll, I'll I guess I'll summarize it this way in all honesty. There's a portion of what I'm telling you tonight goes back to some things I taught last year that really is wrapped up in the importance of our identity. Because part of the reason some of us aren't willing to stop and rest is because our identity is totally wrapped up in what we do. 
So if I stop and do nothing, if I stop and rest, if I stop and go aside to a solitary place for a little bit, who am I? Because who I am is wrapped up in what I'm doing. But when you and I can get settled who we are, and who my identity is in Him, then I can trust Him in those moments when He says, I know what we've done for the first 20-something verses, and I know what we're about to do for the next 20-something verses. But right now, we're going to stop and rest. I want to close. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. I'm not going to ask. It's not an altar call. I'm not going to invite you to come and pray. Here's how I feel to close, felt to close this tonight. I want to ask you to join with me and, and pray. And I'm, I'm, Brother Morgan's back in a couple of weeks. And um, at this point, uh, I don't know if this will, those of you in Arnold, I don't know if this will cause you to come or stay home at this point. I do intend to be preaching Sunday night. Um, but again, I, I, I really don't know what the next, whatever. I want you, if you would, to join me in just a moment of prayer. Not, not, we're not going into intercession, not looking for volume and intensity and all that. But I, I want you to, and, and I realize tonight's been more kind of talking. I mean, our ministry hopefully has taken place, but my belief, my expectation is over the next several weeks as God uses me to deliver whatever He wants me to say, that there are going to be some times of ministry. But unless you and I are willing to be vulnerable, and I understand, I know the beauty of care groups is it's, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable and all that in a setting like this. I understand that. Believe me, I've tried to talk myself out of all this the last couple of weeks uh, leading up to this. I understand this type of setting and a Sunday night even more is not where we That's not where we're vulnerable. That's where we're taking the world by storm. I I, want to ask, I want you to pray with me, and here's what I want. I'm going to try to stop telling you what I want you to pray and tell you what I want you to pray. (laughs) I want you to, I want us to pray that God would help us over the next couple of weeks. Again, with regards, just telling you, with regards to my role and what I feel for me to do. That He would help us to be willing to be vulnerable. First and foremost with Him. And that whatever mending that you need, whatever mending that I need, so that whatever God has in store for you and me in the future, that I can embark on that and embrace that and be who I'm supposed to be and you can be who you're supposed to be and not just be somebody that's just buckling down and pressing through. That God would help us to do that. So in some way, if you would, some similar way. Father, I come before you tonight on behalf of this body, on behalf, God, of what I feel like to the best of my ability for several months now. You have been talking to me, dealing with me, not only, God, as direction for ministry, but in all honesty and 
things you're doing in my life personally. God, I pray that you would help us. We are so used to and so good at building our walls and our facades and pressing through. And I understand, God, I do believe there are some seasons and times, there are moments in which that's that's what is demanded of the circumstances and the situations that we're in, that we've got to, we have to press through pain and we have to press through difficulties and challenges because of the, the need of the moment. But God, there's also seasons and times in which we've got to stop, and we've got to pause, and we've got to step aside, we've got to rest, we've got to let there be a mending. God, I trust, I feel, I believe that in the midst of the great things we have experienced the last several months, Brother Morgan's ministry and the ministry of others and great moves of Your Spirit, that mixed into all of that, God, there is, there is something very significant, unique, important that You're desiring to do. So I'm asking You to help us. I'm asking You, God, from senior leadership to the person that has absolutely no title or responsibility of some office of ministry that every single one of us God by your grace would be willing to be vulnerable God again ultimately with you transparent before you willing to embrace some of those things that we have tried to avoid and needs that we have that we've tried to just overlook so that you can bring about the refreshing and the renewing in individuals that is needed. Trust you tonight, Father. I pray, God, that not just in a church service. In fact, God, I'm asking you just as much outside of a church service that you would visit us, that you would visit the individuals of this congregation, Lord, God, that like you did, obviously in a physical, literal way with the disciples that and the relationship that we have with you in this context, God, of where we are today, that we would hear you, Father, say to us, just as you said to the disciples, step aside, come aside, rest. God, in the midst of all the noise of life, in the midst of all the clutter of life, in the midst of all of our busy schedules, not only our busy natural schedules, but so many people here, God, that carry a very busy ministry load as well. Somehow, God, give us the discernment in the midst of all the noise to hear the still, small voice of Your Spirit to recognize it, God, and to be willing to pause and respond to it. By Your grace. By Your grace, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank You for putting up with my ramblings tonight. I... uh, once again, want to say thank you for all the prayers and support. Uh, it means a lot. God bless you.
pray that you have a good remainder of your week. In Jesus' name.